Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. If you could define house hacking for us, and we'll get into your little twist on house hacking, because I, I think when people hear it, it's it can mean a lot of things. Yeah, so I really look at house hacking as just making a slightly different choice for your housing. All the way back to a lot of folks have read that Rich Dad, Poor Dad book that basically says your house is a liability, not an asset. So the idea is just to do the slight change on how you pick your housing, especially if you're in a high cost of living area, so you can reduce that 30 to 40% of your budget that's on housing and cut that in half or completely reduce it. And then the idea with house hacking is I define it as these six styles of house hacking. There's the room rental style house hacking where you buy a big house, you rent out the rooms. That's great when you're just getting out of college. And then there's the sort of live and flip where you live in the house for a year or two while you're renovating it, then you sell it. That's a lot of work. It's not great for a family. And then those couple other styles are this sort of income suite where you convert a basement or you have a mother-in-law suite. You have an accessory dwelling unit like a pool house that you can rent out or a garage apartment. You have this sort of small multifamily, and then you have a work-provided housing. And then the idea is with all those different styles, you can rent out to long-term tenants, you can rent out to short-term tenants like Airbnb, VRBO, or you can do mid-term sort of rentals where you rent to corporate housing or traveling nurses. And the idea is you pick the model that's best for you and pick the type of tenant base that you want, and it lets you reduce your housing costs. And My first two house hacks were that room rental style. My third and fourth house hack were this sort of more luxury house hack where we bought this small multifamily property and really created these high-end apartments for it. And I'm happy to dig in more to that style of house hacking if you want. Yeah, when you went when you did that style, the more higher-end one, was that a short-term or a long-term the way you did it? Yeah, we did a little bit of both. So when we moved to New Orleans about four years ago, we rented an apartment right away because we wanted to start for looking for real estate and to do a house hack. And what we found was this old 1920s corner store property that was in really bad shape. It had broken sewer lines. It needed a new roof. It had knob and tube wiring. And what we did is we gutted it to the studs and we converted it to three high-end apartments. And then out back was this barn building that we turned into a one-car garage and a sort of carriage house, guest house. And what we do with that carriage house is we rent it out on Airbnb, VRBO. So like during Mardi Gras, we get 200 bucks a night for this $500 square foot place. Then the main building, we live in the upstairs, which is a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment. And a lot of folks, when they think of house hacking is you really got to sacrifice on creature comforts. You can really do it really nice where we've got the farmhouse sink, the stone countertop, the higher end kitchen cabinets with the crown molding. We have a jacuzzi tub in the bathroom, $20 square foot marble floor in the bathroom, hardwood floors. And then downstairs, we have long-term tenants. We got a one bedroom and then a two bedroom. And the really basic idea of it is those downtown stairs tenants cover our mortgage and a little bit of the taxes and the insurance for the property. And then that short-term rental out back covers all our additional costs. And we usually make five to 10 grand on the property as well. So not only do we have a really comfortable, nice higher end place to live, but we also have zero housing costs and then usually are able to pocket some money off of that. And that gives us a lot of freedom to do a lot of other things that we want in life. 
right? And you're taking advantage of it's your primary home. So in terms of financing, were you doing like an FHA, like 3% down or? Yeah, for this one, we actually used hard money because it needed so much work. We bought it for 270 and it needed to be gut to the studs and we put in about 250,000 into renovating it. So we used hard money. We got all the renovations done after about 11 months. We moved in and then we refinanced out with a conventional loan. And then we're able to pull back out most of the cash we put into it with our equity line that we added on the property. We're actually working on a new property, which is just a duplex, which is going to be a higher end house hack as well. But like with that, we ended up doing an FHA loan because we're sitting on a bunch of cash, but we wanted to have that cash on hand to do the renovations and do the value add expansion on this next property that we're looking at. So there's a lot of opportunities out there, but most people, if they're short on cash, will use that FHA loan to do a house hack because you only have to put that three and a half percent down. And the, you get a little bit better interest rate when you're the when you actually live in that property as opposed to a non-owner occupied property. I would say probably what a quarter point or a half a point better. Yeah, usually about rate. a half a point depending on the bank. So it ends up being we're working out pretty well. Lane is not a lawyer CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.